Welcome to Fresh Pressed for September 29th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and asynchronous grooves. Uh, Gabe, what is the theme this week? Uh, we sort of have biffed it slightly. Slightly. We were going to do time travel because, Andrew, I mean, I don't really know why. It just seemed appropriate. It's a good theme. And there's got to be plenty of time travel songs, right? You have to imagine. We won't find out today, but I'm sure there are. And, you know, also earlier this year, the third season of the show Dark on Netflix came out, which really is just phenomenal about time travel. If you like good science fiction, really, if you like good art, this is a show I would recommend. Also, second, a second recommendation. I messaged you about this theme the other week when I was watching Looper. So that's also a good show, movie. Brian Johnson's coup de grace or something. No. Tour de force? Is that what you were looking for? Sure. Whatever. There's French some French something. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we didn't really do time travel. Our songs are just kind of about time, which, you know, also works as a good theme. It did seem a little broad at the time to suggest just time. But here we are, nevertheless. I have brought a song by Valerie June from the album, The Order of Time, entitled Slip Slide On By. Way you tapped into time With luck on your side And ask no questions why You just slip slide on by So, uh, first, a justification. There's a line here that says, tapped into time. Don't really know what that means, but, like, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's time travel. Yeah, this song is about somebody who is traveling through time and only stays for a brief time and you fall in love with this person and but then you know they're tapped into time so they uh slip slide on by right yeah it's like that movie which movie the one where bill nye is a time traveler and his son is someone else and he's also a time traveler uh, no, I'm not familiar with this movie. It's either called The Time Traveler's Wife or it's called About Time. I think it's About Time. Anyway, Valerie June is a an American musician, singer-songwriter. She's from Jackson, Tennessee. She sure is. And she has a great sound, a, a varied sound, I would say. But she goes, she she has some more like folkier kind of stuff, like like classic American, like... Even I would go so far as to say bluegrassier kind of sound. And then the more like soul, gospel, blues kind of sound that is more represented in this song. And this is off of her 2017 album, The Order of Time, which is maybe why I thought to bring this song. Because I thought time, that's something. You know, it's definitely something. We need to acknowledge, of course, that the themes are almost always just an excuse to pick your music. They're a jumping off point to songs that we already know and like. Yeah, for the most part. 
And this is a song to know and like. And it does actually feel like it's about time. I mean, the, the opening verse is, you know, has patiently wait or hurry towards fate. Those seem like very time-oriented themes. Look, let's set aside whether or not this fits the theme. I've picked it for the theme. We're here already. Let's talk about how great this fucking song is. It's a great fucking song. It opens with just the voice and the the like perfect amount of electric organ. Just like little bloops, perfectly underscoring her vocals. And then it comes to the end of that as if it were just like a very short song. And then it fucking comes back in with some drums and a little guitar in the background. And it's fucking great. And then it gets even better with the horns. It just has this perfect build. I don't know. I, I, I find it hard to listen to this song and not at at least at some point during the listening process make an audible like, mm, you know? Yes, I absolutely know what you're talking about. This is one of those songs that really just unfolds and blooms <laughs> as it goes forward. That's a very cathartic style of music. Yeah, I think that's a good I think that's a good way of 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 thinking of it as as cathartic because it does feel like there's a build up of this like emotion that's held in at the beginning and it just slowly but surely uh releases as the song progresses. Also, that electric piano organ, whatever you want to call it, electric keys, throughout the entire song, like it starts very subtle, right? But it's it, it's always perfect. Like it's such a good instrument for the song. Now, the other thing about Valerie June is that her vocals are like very southern. Like the her her vocal <laughs> style is like very southern. It could be almost like a little bit country. Is that weird? Like, yeah, you said bluegrass, but even more than that, it feels like it's drawing from like Nashville country. She is from Tennessee. Yeah, certainly. She's she is from Tennessee, and and she definitely has that 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 twang to her voice. But I think she uses it. She like applies it in so many different ways. Like I said, this is a more soul kind of song, but she does have more folkier stuff. She takes that distinctive voice and fits it to a couple different styles, which I think is really cool. She is from Tennessee, but her father was a part-time promoter for musicians, mostly gospel singers, but also a couple other people like, I don't know, Bobby Womack and Prince. Sorry, who? Prince? Never heard of them. They're this band. They were really big. Freddie Mercury is the lead singer. Anyway, um, so that sort of explains maybe some of the spread of her interest. And she, as a child, uh, would like hang posters around town to promote these concerts. So she got started in the biz early. Do you understand why you grew up to be a professional musician and a singer?
Gabe, it feels like you have yourself sort of time traveled to earlier in the course of this podcast when you would always pick songs that were sort of Gabe songs. Okay. And you've you've sort of transported us back to that time with with this choice. I see. Well, no regrets because this song rips. Uh, this is Time by U.S. Girls off her 2018 record in a poem, Unlimited. Now, how do you know it's not us girls? Because there are dots between the u and the s fair enough I, that seems like pretty clear but also but also the biography of the artist would suggest that it's us girls so us girls is really one person and that's megan remy and she lives in toronto but she was originally born and raised in like illinois so you know like you go to Toronto and you start a band and you're like the U.S. girl making the band in Toronto because there's probably nobody else from the United States in Toronto. It makes sense. It's clearly U.S., Andrew. Why would you even suggest that it were something else? Well, I'm just thinking of in eighth grade when I was in Bugsy Malone, uh, there was another student who was reading a line and the line was, well, they won't be monkeying us around anymore. But us was capitalized so that you would give it emphasis. And he said, well, they won't be monkeying U.S. around anymore. Wow. Who was that? <laughs> no, don't tell me on the podcast. So leaving aside the foolishness of eighth graders, let's talk a little bit about U.S. girls to start. This record was her 2018 record where she came onto the scene, really emerged as a standout force of like experimental pop, I guess I would call it. U.S. Girls released another record this past year in, I think, March, early March, titled Heavy Light, which is also phenomenal, really good. I don't know why I didn't bring it, but that was probably a good reason. Yeah, one of my standout records of the year as well. Andrew, this song, Time, is about time. It's about time. Now, what this song isn't is written by Megan Remy. This song is actually a cover. Really? Oh, this is the Pink Floyd song. And I'm not familiar with the artist, but you might be. So the original okay. artist is Micah Blue Smalden. Nope. He's a guitarist known for like fingerstyle guitar. Should know who he is then, but I don't. I suppose um, this version of it, as you can imagine, from the lack of that sort of guitar, acoustic guitar style, is quite different. Smallman wrote this song, I think it's like from 2013 maybe, so not that long ago. And then Megan Remy was like, I'm going to cover this song, and then got a jazz funk group from Toronto titled The Cosmic Range to be the backing band on this song, who nominally this is a U.S. girls song, but really this is The Cosmic Range playing a cover of a Michael Blue Smallman song with Megan Remy singing the lead. Because she didn't really write the song, and it's another band doing the music. And, you know, I think they're the real centerpiece of the song. They're incredible. The, the guitarist and the saxophonist, 
Um, I don't know who the guitar player is, but the saxophone player is Andy Haas. Just really amazing. God, I wish you had told me this before, because now I have to listen to that original song and find out how fucking wildly different it is from this. Megan Remy's music as U.S. Girls is typically fairly political and politically oriented. She wrote a song about Obama for this record, criticizing his policy over like his style over substance, which sometimes came through. Uh, there's a song off Heavy Light called One American Dollar, which is tackling the idea of pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps sort of thing. This song, which wasn't written by her, steps away from that. And the lyrics feel very relatable. The idea of if there is nothing, after everything, there's still time just like stretching out. The way that time has just blurred into kind of like endless endlessness over the last six months is really mm-hmm. astonishing. And her talking about mounds of time and oceans of time, canyons of time, you're like, oh my God, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. Especially on a weekend where you're just like, well, here's the time. There it goes. Yep. <laughs> now, the second half of this song is also about how there isn't time, though. So explain that to me. Actually, I think it's basically exactly what I'm talking about, which is that, so the first the first line is, when there is nothing, there is still time. When there is nowhere, there is still time. Right. But when there is something, there is no mm-hmm. time. And when there is somewhere, there is no time. So I think that's an experience that's lived by lots of people. When you have nothing to do, it just feels like there's so much time. And when you have things to do, there's not ever enough. Okay, you've, you've successfully explained it to me, yeah. Andrew, tell us about your new tune. My new tune is a song from Field Medic off of his upcoming album, Floral Prince, which actually comes out this Friday, October 2nd. And the song is entitled, I Will Not Mourn Who I Was That Has Gone Away. Swear these crows keep getting bigger, hanging off the fence posts together, nothing's Drawn to thrill, drawn to surrender Somewhere deep inside my memory There's a kid with a neck so slender Capsized and ten years later His arms attached to his life So, sometimes I disagree with the capitalization choice of song titles. Yeah. It's recently been in vogue to, you know, have all your entire song title in caps, which just seems aggressive. Sometimes you do all lowercase. You've picked multiple songs that are in all caps. Yeah, for sure. That doesn't mean I agreed with that choice. I think uh, I think it's an endorsement if you're if you're choosing the song. I don't think I have to love every aspect of a song that I choose. Do I? Is that what you're saying? No, but you didn't bring it up at the time, which is why I feel like I just it just seems strange to me that you're bringing this up when I bring a song with capitalization stuff but you just bring them without you know 
you just bring them willy-nilly. Well, perhaps let me finish my point, and then you won't feel so attacked. I'll still feel attacked. Because what I was going to say is this song is all lowercase. The song title is all lowercase. But I think that in this particular case, it suits the song extremely well. Well, I'm glad you feel like that, because pretty much every single Fieldmatic song is in all lowercase. Except for some that are in all uppercase? Yeah, I was gonna I'm looking at the album title the the songs off this album and there's a song coming up called Headcase, that's all uppercase. Tranquilize, that's all uppercase. Yeah, but everything else is all lowercase. Yeah, that's very much a field medic thing. Now field medic is Kevin Patrick Sullivan, who is uh, originally from San Francisco. Pretty much all of his music sounds like this, and the reason for that is because he records pretty much all of his music on like a four track tape and limits himself to usually three takes maximum. And then the song's done. Wow. I mean, that's a note that I have not knowing this about field medic that like the recording sounds really raw. I mean, there, there are periods of time where his like vocals are clipping. Yeah. That's because it's on a four track tape and he only tried it a maximum of three times. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So I really like his music uh, because it all sounds like this, and I really like how this sounds. It's uh, I should be clear; it doesn't all sound exactly like this. Um, there's another track that came out earlier this summer that is also going to be on this album called "Better Way," which is really lovely and a little less a little less raw than this is. It's a little uh, softer and more intimate, I guess. But uh, he he really does have this very much like DIY like recording in my bedroom kind of vibe which i just find very charming and i find his songwriting also very charming this is a very intentional choice from him right there are many artists who record in their bedroom but if they could record in a studio would probably prefer that setting right but this is extremely intentional like this is exactly how i want to be making my music and how i want to be releasing it to the world yeah i mean and he makes a ton of music it's not like he's like just starting out you know this is going to be his fourth album and his third on Run For Cover. Yeah, didn't he release a record last year? He did, and he's released a whole bunch of EPs, and he's been releasing a good number of just sort of like one-off singles this year and in the past year, I guess. A lot of those are appearing on this album, although when they were originally released, it's not like they were necessarily for like promoting this album. In fact, he only announced this album when he released this song this week, and the album comes out on Friday. So this song is very, I mean, it's its pretty clear what it's about. From the title, at the very least, I will not mourn who I was that has gone away. It comes across fairly directly, especially because the song opens with those lyrics spoken. Yes, he's announcing the title of the song, presumably because this is one of his three takes of this song, and he's making sure he knows which song he's recording at the beginning of the track. He is very much a straightforward kind of songwriter. He says what he's talking about. But that's not to say that he says everything simply or in a in simplistic or like dumbed down kind of way. I just mean that he's very direct even when he's being artistic. So the song is about thinking about the kind of person that he used to be and the kind of person that he is now, and saying, well, I'm not going to mourn that person that I once was, who, that is that has gone away. Oh, is, is that what it is? That is what it is. But he's just sort of thinking about 
the connection between him now and him then and uh you know what it means to pass through time to travel through time sort of this is sort of my backdoor theme pick this is your new song it doesn't need to be a theme pick you don't need to justify but it's a backdoor theme pick okay i will not mourn I really love some of the lines in this song. The first line is, I swear these crows keep getting bigger, hanging off the fence post together, which is not like as direct as the title of the song, right? It's like, what, wait, what? Are we, why are we talking about crows now? And I don't really know what that means, but maybe it's like crow's feet because you're getting older. I don't know, they're getting bigger or it's just sort of like, these crows keep getting bigger, you know? There's all these crows, man. Well, so, no, I think this is an interesting lyric because it doesn't really obviously fit in with the rest of the song, which, as you pointed out, is fairly direct. It does feel like he's talking about crow's feet, but also it feels like one of those observations that you make. You're like, look at your window. You're like, are they are they bigger? Are they bigger now? I'm like, <laughs> are they coming for me? It's also like, you know, corvids as a symbol for death. I also like this line opening up this song that you know is going to be about like getting older because the go-to thing for that sort of sentiment is always like ah things are so much smaller than i remember but this is like no these crows are fucking getting bigger man (laughs) but there are some really beautiful lines in this in this song i love one of the late verses where he's talking about um you know who he is now and how he has changed. And he says, but somewhere deep inside his memory, there's a kid who would just go walking 24th Street thrift shopping. He looks so happy trying on a costume. Yeah, absolutely. My favorite lyric in the song. And then he goes to sort of this, this much more philosophical consideration. How do you perceive the morning sun after endless days of dull repetition? Are you reaching out or are you reaching through? Are you a ghost in an empty room? Which, yeah, I just feel like Field Manic is so He's so good at piercing the veil of like late 20s malaise and like getting this exact explanation of this feeling that, I I don't know, I mean, I I feel like I have that feels so inescapable and like, I just think he has this incredible capacity to pull on these threads that that feels so intimate to my like emotional and mental state. I sure hope it's only late twenties malaise. Yeah, he's he's twenty nine, so we'll <laughs> see what happens in a in a year or two if it's still late twenties malaise. Somewhere deep inside his memory, there's a kid that would just go walking twenty fourth street bit shopping. He looks so happy trying on a costume. Gabe, I'm really excited for your new tune because I think we both, via NPR, (laughs) found this album separately and really loved it. That is definitely true. Shout out to the NPR New Music. This is Outside the Gate for Bruna by Anna von Hauswolf 
off her new record, All Thoughts Fly. split the difference there between uh english and german pronunciation on the name well not german she is swedish andrew oh okay i mean she is swedish she's a a a musician obviously but also uh, an organist and a vocalist from gothenburg sweden andrew i'm so excited to do this song with you because you can explain a bunch of things to me that i don't understand so this entire album, All Thoughts Fly, is entirely just one pipe organ. And she's released other music where she sings and her vocals are incredible and really powerful, but this is just pipe organ. Is there no synth layers on some of this? There are no synth layers. It's just one pipe organ. Because on this song, it does sort of sound like there are synths in there, but I'm almost positive it's all just pipe organ. That's the only thing credited. That's like really pointed out on her Bandcamp page. But the entire thing is one instrument. Maybe we'll talk about the instrument first, and then we can talk about the song to give us some context. This organ is based in Gothenburg at the Orgit New Church Mm -hmm. um, and recorded, obviously, in that church. This organ was a replica of an organ from Germany called the Arp Schnitger organ. And this organ is the largest organ in the world that is tuned to a style of tuning called quarter comma mean tone. I hope this is not one of the things that you need me to explain to you because I don't know what that is. Well, I did look it up just in case you didn't know what it was, but I was hoping that you could have explained it. So I didn't have to explain it, but I'll explain it, I suppose. So, um, Andrew, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what it, what temperament is, at the very least. I mean, uh, this is always the hardest thing for me to do, is to like explain things without talking for 10 hours. Well, I think this is interesting, and I think it sets the scene for this kind of music. Okay. Music. Sounds. Wait, hold on. Let me start again. <laughs> when we talk about pitch in music we are referring to particular frequencies of sound. Sound is a wave, and it has a frequency, which just means how fast the wave is going up and down. Make sense? Yes. Are we together on this point? Okay. I'm here on this. Now, because it is a wave, you can do math to it because it's a mathematical shape, right? So you can do math to it, and it behaves in predictable ways. So, if you take a certain wave, let's say it's the pitch C. Doesn't really matter, but that's that's just what it is. If I take that that wave and make it twice as fast, if I double the frequency, then that pitch will now be C again, but an octave higher. We call it an octave for a variety of reasons that we don't need to get into, but it is an essential relationship between pitches that you will recognize. Do that's an octave it's the same note but it's higher up 
Now, in between that octave, you can do other math to that original C frequency. For example, you could cut it into thirds, or you could cut it into fifths, or you could cut it into quarters. You could do all these different things. It doesn't really matter the specific ratios. But basically, there are certain ratios inside that octave that sound really nice and really right to us as people because they make sense mathematically. And even if you don't understand that, your brain gets it and likes the, the patternness of that sound. We have these nice ratios of sound. We have an octave. We have some others called fourths and fifths. Those are some other really nice ratios that we found a long, long time ago. The Greeks knew them. They loved them. They were just taking a string and like shortening it and, and playing it. And they were like, yeah, that's the one because it's math and it sounds. They love it. That's great. But as music practice developed and we wanted a more uniform way of splitting up this octave, eventually people of the European Western culture settled on this 12-tone scale that we have now. And they took an octave and they split it up into those pieces and then they put some other splits in the middle so they had 12 notes in a row from one C to the next C. And that was great. And they still had these really nice ratios in the, in the middle there. They had the fifth and it was beautiful. But the problem is those ratios that make the really nice intervals don't go easily into 12. They don't go into 12 at all. So... There's two ways to deal with this. One is to start with your favorite note, let's say it's C, and build those very nice ratios, and then just approximate the other notes that go in the middle to closest that you can. And then what you have is you have C, and you have a really nice fifth, and a really nice fourth, and you have a really nice octave. But then if you want to start on a different note, let's say G, and go up a fifth, it's not the same distance as it is when you start from C because you had to shift everything so that C really worked. Or what you could do is break every single interval and just split the octave into 12 equal pieces, which doesn't really get you any of the perfect notes, but it makes all of the intervals, no matter where you start, sound the same. Those are the two ways to do things, basically, although there's variation there. But that is the difference between what we call just intonation, which is when you have, you start from a certain starting point and everything sounds right. And if you start from somewhere else, it doesn't sound right. Or there's equal temperament, which is what we have now, like in your piano, which means no matter where you start, a fifth is always the same. It's just not a perfect, perfect fifth. Thank you for that lovely explanation, Andrew. So what is going on with this organ? It's called quarter comma mean tone don't need to worry about what those words mean. Essentially what it means is that they've chosen not a specific note to build off of and not equal chunks like Andrew described, but rather they decided that one interval should be perfect throughout the whole thing. In this case, it's the third. This causes in particular other intervals to sound more off. So now the fifth, which is another common pleasing interval, is slightly dissonant. So this is the largest such organ constructed in this way in the world. And it creates something of a very unique sound, even if you can't immediately put your finger on what that sound is. Normally, we don't talk about this sort of like musical theory, really dive into this sort of thing, because it's not normally really that important. Who cares, right? Like, it's music. It's lovely to listen well, to. 
Not all of us are music majors like Andrew was. We just want to listen to good music and have a good time. But this album and this song in particular is really all about the sound of this organ and highlighting it and pointing it out in beautiful, expansive ways. And, and you can really hear the, the organ operate. You know, it's so clear that this is air being forced through pipes. The way that this organ was recorded, there's so much emphasis on like the stereo nature of a big organ. You know, when you're in a church or a room with an organ that's this large, you hear the sounds coming from different parts of the room. Like one note is always coming from one pipe and that pipe might be over there to your left. And then another pipe in the same scale, in the same melody might be over to the right and it causes this like shifting nature, which is really highlighted in this song. Like the melody that kind of runs through this song is like moving across the stereo spectrum from left to right and back again. This quarter comma mean tone temperament really comes through and gives that slightly dissonant feel to some of the notes that we normally feel like very comfortable in and emphasizes other intervals and notes that are different. And, and I just think that's really cool. Yeah, the organ that she's playing has has an absolutely beautiful sound. Um, it has four manuals, which are the hand keyboards. It has one pedal, mm-hmm. which are the foot keyboards. And it has 54 stops. Andrew, what's a stop? A stop is a thing on an organ that lets you access a set a certain set of pipes. And those pipes have a specific sound to them, a specific timbre you would be surprised to be like, oh, that's all one organ because it has so many different sounds to it. But that's just how an organ works. And you can have multiple stops open at once and so you can be playing multiple sets of pipes with just one press of the key. The other interesting background note to this album is that it's inspired and in some ways written for a garden in Italy called Il Sacro Bosco. And one of the songs in this album is named Sacro Bosco or the Garden of Bomarzo. These gardens are um, in northern uh, Lazio in Italy, which is kind of central Italy. They're full of sort of like grotesque sculpture and shapes. And I think that this record captures what I imagine it would be like to walk through that garden. And now I want to walk through this garden. I just love how this song in particular, Andrew, which is the closer on the record, really is so like grandiose. Like, I love being able to lose myself in organ music. I think this album captures what it's like to to stand in front of an actual organ, feel that sound, like really viscerally. This this album, I would say more than more than many other others that we talk about on this podcast, I think is really worth getting some good headphones, having that real quality stereo and really good sound to get the full effect of this. I was really amazed with this album. I listened to it. This was actually the first album that I listened to this Friday. 
And I woke up on Friday like incredibly anxious and was having a terrible morning. I was like, oh my God, I have all this music to listen to. I don't feel like doing this. Ah, blah, 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 blah. I have all these other things. And I listened to this album and just like took 45 minutes and like breathed slowly and listened to this. Andrew, there were two major indie releases this week and then a host of other smaller releases. Um, what yeah. stood out to you? Well, we should probably mention Sufjan. Probably should. The Ascension. What'd you think? I thought it was good. Sufjan sort of vacillates between this sad, quiet guitar and like acoustic kind of vibe like he did with Carrie and Lowell versus the more electronic experimental vibe which he's doing here this is sort of an echo i think of his other most electronic experimental album the age of odds i do not think it is as good but i will say that the title track the ascension is uh really gorgeous and and easily my favorite song from this album there was also a new fleet foxes album this re- this week yes all of a sudden there was a fleet foxes album which I did think was excellent, and a great introduction to Fall, which was, I think, the intention. And Sadie Dupuis of Speedy Ortiz released a new record as Sad 13. Yes. Called Haunted Painting. It was really good. There are 12 hazelnut spreads remaining. So if you want that hazelnut spread, get on it. Uh, there's also a new Sylvanesso album, which is nice, but it's only like 28 minutes. So, so short. Like what I was like listening to, it, I was like, this is great. And then it ends and you're like, oh, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed the album by Lydia Loveless this week titled Daughter. Sort of rock, indie, country, blend, crossover. Hard to describe. Nana Ajoa, who we talked about uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I brought one of her songs. Her album Big Dreaming Ants came out. Weird album title, good album. There is a record by Ziemba titled True Romantic that I thought was excellent. Talk Loud from Shy Boys was also pretty nice. Very indie. One more thing we like to point out, we've been trying to point out, um, is this Friday, Andrew. Mm, is another yes. Bandcamp Friday. Sure is. Um, so, again, this is the first Friday of the month Bandcamp has been doing devoted to its artists. So you can buy anything off of Bandcamp and all of the proceeds will go directly to the artist, which is pretty cool and a great time to get all the music you've been wanting to get, all the music off this podcast. So I recommend people check this out. We'll do a Twitter thread on Thursday or Friday about albums that we're buying and things that we're getting, cool merch that we think is worth pointing out. Um, So that is also a great reason to follow us on Twitter at Fresh Press Pod. And you can listen to all of our picks from the show on our Spotify playlist that you will find in the show notes. We'll be back on October 6th with more tunes and more grooves. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Press. Fresh Press.